Well, good evening. I'm not quite sure how this has worked out. There's a great gulf. Look at, oh, they're filling it in. They're filling it in. Good. They're still coming. They're still coming. <laughs> well, I want to welcome you to this opening convention final service. Some of you were not here last night, and uh, so Dr. Graves was here last evening and uh, introduced Dr. Deal. Some of you were not here. I will introduce our speaker uh, for the evening in just a few moments. Many of you know that uh, Dr. Graves has been ill and uh, last week was not able to be on campus for most of the week. And uh, we were thrilled that he was here last night, but he had a setback during the night and has not been able to be on campus again today. I'm sure that you will want to uh, pray for him and Cheryl and remember them in your prayers that it would be a quick recovery and he would be able to be back doing all the things that he wants to do and loves to do. Our speaker for this year's opening convention is Dr. Jim Deal. Uh, Dr. Deal has served in the Church of the Nazarene in multiple ways in multiple places. He has served as a pastor, an evangelist, uh, a college administrator. He most recently has served uh, in retirement as an interim president at Mid-American Nazarene University. In 1993, at the General Assembly in Indianapolis, Dr. Deal was elected as the general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene and he served in that position for 16 years. He's now supposedly retired, uh, but still holds uh, evangelistic revival meetings all over, travels a good deal. It's our privilege to have him here and have him share in this opening convention. Dr. Graves asked me to do one additional, uh, take care of one additional item of business tonight. Uh, this is a special day for Dr. Deal, and I'm sure that Dr. Deal would not want me to mention what day it is, so I won't. <laughs> Dr. Deal, would you come, and Dr. Graves and the college would like to present you with this uh, gift, and you can just uh, push back the, the wrap and pull it out and show everybody what you've oh, gotten on this special really? day. Well, so it's, uh, uh, what is going on? Well, okay, looks like it's something usable. <laughs> oh, well, now, what do we have here? Uh, it looks like it is a fine shirt with your name and logo on there. So that's, uh, that's good. And, and I'll wear it if it's my size. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, you know, this is just a, a joke about uh, being my birthday. I quit having them. Well, really, uh, what my, uh, my real policy is, did I tell you this? If I'm not home on my birthday, I don't count it. I'm only 53 <laughs> when you count it like that. So uh, 
I did go home last night, as you know, and came back this morning for the uh, session of service, and I will, I will return back tonight. Uh, my wife, I think, I, I got home last night at 10.15, so uh, I think I can get there about that time. And she's going to have um, one piece of pie and a little ice cream and one candle, and between my wife and I and our dog, we're going to celebrate, and then I quit. Now, that's only about two hours at home. I don't know if I can count it or not count it. I'm not sure if, that, if I'm there or not there. But anyway, thank you for that. And uh, little did I know, I got a call today from the uh, president's office at Mid-America, where I was a year ago right now, and the president of Mid-America Nazarene University, Dr. David Spittle, his birthday is today. And they were having a big celebration for him. And somebody said, well, it's Deal's birthday, so they called me, and so we're just having a great time. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, I'll wear this with proper pride. Praise the Lord. Let us all stand as we worship this evening in song. Well, thank you again to Jonathan and all of the others up here who led us to the Lord. Hey, let's just thank them, will you? And uh, that, <clears throat> that sure helps. Mm, how, many, how many times have you or have I uh, gone somewhere to preach or maybe wherever your home is and something just didn't happen to get going in the service? And the train never did leave the station. And it was time to preach and nothing was happening. <laughs> and uh, that's not an easy deal to get up there and, and everybody's either dead or gone or their minds are elsewhere or something. But not here. Boy, you're, you're into that and I appreciate how you lead us, Brother Jonathan, and, and how you respond. Let me, you know, you really have a wonderful spirit here. There's a great uh, atmosphere of, of joy and rejoicing, and I think you love each other. If you don't, you've got it masked real well, but, uh, but you do. And so let me give you some high-powered advice here. <laughs> don't let anyone nor anything mess this up. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, I had to stay up all night to think that up. But uh, don't let anyone nor anything mess it up. How many times we've seen when everything was going great and then little things came in. Doesn't the scripture talk about the little foxes spoil the vines? And uh, we don't want that here. So we'll trust uh, the Lord to keep blessing and anointing you and uh, the professors, the administrators, uh, the staff, the students, uh, the, the spouses of the students, the children of the students, and, and the friends of NBC and all the rest. Well, I don't live far from you. I found out by gauging the, or, you know, getting it figured out, leaving home, coming here. I'm 74 miles away. That's not too far. And uh, I don't see you too often. But when we come in from the southwest, like I did on Monday, we fly over, so uh, on the way to uh, Denver International Airport. 
So I'll just have the pilot honk. And when you hear that, yeah, that means the deal, deal's going over. Honk, honk. Well, you'll probably hear a goose do that, and you think, that's me. So, <clears throat> well, have a great year. Have a wonderful year here. And uh, I'll see you again. You know, I'm not disappearing, and I don't, I hope you won't. You stay with it right on through, and uh, it will be worth it forevermore. And uh, <clears throat> again, thank you to Dr. Matson and all of the administrators, and of course, Dr. Graves for the invitation to come. And uh, my love and my prayers are with you. I am one of your better unpaid cheerleaders. <laughs> I do lead the cheers for NBC out where I am, and I'll talk about that some other time, but I, I'm just glad to do it. Well, <clears throat> hey, man, a, a, a three-service event goes in a hurry, doesn't it? We just started last night, and we're kind of saying farewell tonight, but there's a little more here. Well, there's a whole lot more, I'm sure, but uh, a little more for us to consider. And back to the scripture of, is it for your year or the semester, uh, this about, uh, that we are referring to, um, uh, and that is the, for the year. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control, self-discipline, sound mind. That's your theme for the year. And uh, that is one good one. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and last night I added 6 to it. Therefore I remind you to stir up, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And if you were here this morning, you heard me talk about the opposite of love, which I believe is not only is hatred, hatred doesn't start as hatred, it starts by being hurt, and then we, we kind of nurse a hurt or a wound, and then we become bitter about it. And so I, I feel that the opposite of love is bitterness. So Lord, set us free from fear and fill us with power. Set us free from bitterness and fill us with love. And did I ever hear a testimony of a bitter heart that had been turned into a forgiving, loving person this morning after the service? Boy, somebody in your ranks has a testimony so good that it ought to be put on the radio or television or somewhere. So uh, this is real, isn't it? This isn't just make-believe. This really works. Uh, and, and now there's one more component, and sound mind is what this translation says, or self-discipline, another one would say, or self-control. And as I have studied this scripture along the line, it came to me one day that this actually is the work of the Holy Spirit in his sanctifying power for when we, when we surrender everything to the Lord and are praying for our own personal Pentecost, just like what happened in Acts chapter 2 where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, we need that today, brothers and sisters. We need a new fresh Pentecost. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes in his, in his sanctifying, cleansing way, he sets us free from fear and fills us with power. And over in the book of Acts, it's referred to talking about the disciples in their preaching after Pentecost that they were filled with great power and great grace. That's my prayer for you and for me, that we will be men and women of great power and great grace and love. That's been a trademark of the Christians since Jesus' day. See how they love one another. Seems to me the devil's really working on that one today, trying to cause Christians to become suspicious and, uh, and um, kind of uh, afraid of each other, and you don't trust anybody much, and, don't, and some people don't trust anybody ever. But I want you to know when the Holy Spirit does his work, he fills our hearts with divine love. Praise the Lord. And we have it all through the scripture. And then self-control. Or the opposite, as I see it, of selfish will. You, you all know this, but we all need to be reminded that we weren't born sanctified. <laughs> Is there an amen in the house? We are born with the focus of our life on ourself. Selfish. All the way, dated all the way back to Adam and Eve. And it's part of the fall of mankind into sin. And so sin has been passed on to all mankind. Or humankind is, might be a better way to say it. And if you don't think that's right, and if you think, well, maybe some people really are born uh, just filled with the goodness of God and they love everybody, well, then you need to get married and have kids. <laughs> and you'll find out <laughs> even babies are born carnal. <laughs> I want my way and, blah, 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 and all the rest of that stuff that goes on. And we were all the same as my mom before she died. Used to remind me, she'd hear me preaching along these lines, and she would come and say, Jim, you weren't born sanctified either. And I said, yeah, Mom, I don't tell those stories too much. I just, I kind of start my story when I got saved. Y'all don't need to know what happened before that. So uh, thank the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit does in sanctifying power. He gives a... a sets us free from fear, fills us with power, uh, sets us free or cleanses us from bitterness and all the rest, and fills us with love, and sets us free from selfish will, and gives us a sense of self-control. I'll pay taxes on that kind of religion. That's the real thing, isn't it? It's not a long outline. It's only three items, but that'll work. Now, I think we're in agreement on that, aren't we? This, this is so scriptural, and it's just there. So here's what, here's what we need to consider now. Let's say that, uh, that we're all born-again Christians here, and I trust and pray that we are, that we all know Jesus in an experience of, uh, 
of sins forgiven and new life in Christ. Well, thank the Lord. That's where we get started. That's where we start the journey. But I want you to know that on this journey of walking with Christ and all of the rest, that somewhere on the journey, and I am now convinced that if you're a sincere Christian, whether you are in a Nazarene church or a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or whatever kind of a church or a Catholic church, whatever kind of a church, if you really are walking in sincere obedience to the Lord, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit of God whisper to you in your mind or your heart something along this line. You have given me your sins. Now give me yourself. Amen. That's not just Nazarene doctrine. That's Bible. By the way, the Church of the Nazarene didn't write the Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. We weren't around when it was written. We're just trying to read it. We're just trying to preach it. We're trying to teach it. We're trying to sing it, trying to live it. But uh, consider that now a moment. You, I'm, I'm speaking in the voice here uh, of, of God, uh, the, the Spirit. You have given me your sins. Now give me yourself. For I've been talking about selfish will is the opposite of self-control and all of the rest. Now give me yourself. I want you to, if you have your Bibles or New Testaments, I'm going to turn back as well, just to a quick scripture in Romans. And uh, let's see. Let's go to Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Then I'm going to turn two pages before that. But Romans, I mean, this is a very familiar scripture. Uh, listen to how I want to phrase it. Romans 12, 1 is a deeper prayer than Romans 10, 9. Now let's see what I'm trying to say. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I beg you, therefore, brethren, he was writing to uh, the believers, the brethren, uh, the born-again ones, as you would know in Romans. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you give, you surrender your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Now that's the call of God. How about Romans 10? What did I make mention of there? 10, 9, and 10. Listen, this is a good verse. This is a great verse. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's good. 
confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, what's the thing? That's where we start. We start with believing. We start with repentance. We start with confession of our sins. We start with saying, Lord, forgive me a sinner. I've sinned, I've done all this, I've done all that, I've done all the other. I can't even remember all that I've done that's wrong. But Lord, I confess my sins. Of course, picking up John the Baptist's message, Jesus' message, Peter's message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's where we start. But the Lord doesn't want us to stay there all of our life. Amen? You don't want a baby to stay a baby all of his life or her life. You want them to grow up and mature. So, <laughs> so it works out here. Here Paul is talking about confession, believing, becoming saved. Then he gets over to what we call chapter 12, and he doesn't say this, but you can sure hear it, feel it. Now let's go a little deeper. Now let's go a little farther. We've talked about becoming saved and confession, repentance. Now I'm going to talk to you about this. I beg you, give your whole body to Christ. You've now, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but you have given the Lord your sins. Now give him yourself. Uh, brothers and sisters, there are too many people in our churches and I fear too many in our pulpits that have asked God to forgive them of their sins and they are forgiven, but they're still hanging on to what I want to do and how I want to do it. Amen. Now I'm going to use an old time term on you here tonight. We've got to die out to selfish self. And I notice there's a, a very beautiful cross here in this chapel. And I think you have been around the Lord and around the church and around the Word of God long enough to know that not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but the Bible tells us over and over again, we too are to have a crucifixion experience. Amen? And I don't have time for all the scriptures there, but... Boy, the one that flashes in my mind is what Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That means a cross. That means selfish Jim Deal had to die as if on a cross. Yet I am still alive, yet not the old I, but Christ lives in me, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I don't diminish salvation. That's where we're born again. That's where we start. But brothers, sisters, there's more to it than that. God has the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that's where the power is. Amen. I think that's where the joy is. I know that's where the freedom is. And I've come to believe that's where the deep peace of God is. When we not only say, forgive me, Lord, but I give you all of me, my body, 
whatever that means, however long the future is. You say, well, tell me, uh, pray a prayer of consecration so I can hear it so I know what you're talking about. All right, I'm going to give it to you out of a song. By the way, if you're preaching someday and you want to preach on total surrender and total consecration to God and, you, and you're kind of lost, well, go get the hymn book and, and preach this song, this hymn. The name of it is Take My Life and Let It Be from Frances Havergal. Uh, that, uh, she's a generation ago. Would that be right, Terry? A generation ago or maybe two, two generations ago. But uh, the truth, truth is still truth. Now listen to this. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's pretty powerful. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to me. Can you tell already? This is more than repentance. Now we're going a little deeper. Take my moments and my days. I won't, I won't repeat all the verses. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, so on and so on and so on. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Mm. Take my heart, it's thine alone. Take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. That is one more prayer. Have you prayed that prayer in your own words? Let me re recap, not saying it all, but take my life, take my hands, take my voice, take my silver and gold, take my will, take my love, take my moments and my days, take my feet, take my lips, take my intellect, take my heart, take myself. Whoa, man, give it all to God. How in the world can we say that we are an all-out Christian and hold back any of this? I love you, Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you my will. That's not going to work. I love you, Lord, <laughs> but I won't go where you want me to go. That's not going to work. I really love you, Jesus, but when I get in a tough place and you tell me to hang in there until it breaks loose, I'm going to leave anyway because I'm not staying there. You're not going to make it. E everything has to be surrendered to God. Amen. You know what's not in the song? Well, there's a thousand things that you can't get in the song. I found out uh, by living the life, I found out along the line, you haven't even, even have to consecrate your spouse to the Lord. And you have to consecrate your kids to Jesus. Amen. And everything else you can think of. Jesus wants to be Lord. He wants to forgive us but he also wants to be our sanctifying Lord. Amen? Amen. And I, I love that. And uh, you, you have to put it in your words, and I put it in mine, but boy, that, that's pretty well said right there, to say the least. And so 
I really do believe, going back to 2 Timothy, I really believe that God wants all of us to be 2 Timothy 1-7 Christians. Filled with power, filled with love, filled with self-control, set free from fear, free from bitterness, free from selfish will. And my cry out right now is, many of you, most of you are Nazarenes, I suppose, some of you are in other churches. I'm just saying, Lord, produce ministers, pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, produce ministers in Nazarene Bible College that are set on fire by God and filled with God's Holy Spirit because we're not going to make it any other way. Amen? Just somewhere, circle 2 Timothy 1.7 and say, Lord, that's the way I want to live. Because that's the way you want me to live. Free from fear. Filled with power. Free from bitterness. Filled with love. Free from I'm going to do it my own way. Lord, it's your way. Well, I guess uh, it would be all right. Some of you have heard me in other areas. have heard me tell my story. Hopefully, briefly told. But uh, I've only got one story. <laughs> only got one life <laughs> and I'm, I can't make up a new story for how I was filled with the Holy Spirit this is the way it was I was in high school I was a junior in high school uh, in Des Moines Iowa I was brought up in a Christian home not a, not a preacher home dad's not a preacher no one in our family above in the family tree above me no one is in the ministry no one's even a Christian except dad and mom they stepped out from both of their families, and their families pretty well disowned them for going uh, God's way. So anyway, it kind of started with dad and mom, and then on down the family tree from there. But they were committed, Christ-like Christians, so I grew up in the church. I heard, I think, the very best preaching possible. I didn't disagree with any of it. I, I, I kept saying in my mind, I'm going to live like that someday. I'm a little bit busy right now. I'm going to sell out, but I'm, I'm a little, I got too much to do right now. You know, I really believe that, and I'm, I'm going to be on fire someday, but man, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm all involved in high school, and I was in sports to some degree. I don't want you to think I was a big athlete, but at least I was in sports to some degree. And then I got into drama, and I was into the all-school plays uh, in the fall. We did, we did one in the spring, and then senior year in the fall, in the spring. And man, I was into all that stuff and learned all that stuff and loved to get in and, and whatever, whatever. And then I took all the journalism the school had because I urgently wanted to be a sports writer or a sports announcer you know, on the radio or television. And I became the sports editor of the high school paper. I was the sports editor. North High Oracle. And I wrote the articles, took the pictures, and man, I love that. And I know Dr. Matson knows this, maybe anybody else from Iowa Connections. I grew up in Des Moines <clears throat> where there's a powerful radio station there, uh, WHO <clears throat> Des Moines, the 50,000-watt blowtorch of the Middle West, 1040 on your dial, WHO Des Moines. <laughs> oh, man, I had that little old baby down. And we had a sports anchor, we, I mean they, us, and his name was Jim Zobble. And I would say to some of my buddies, I'll take Jim Zobble's place someday. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be on the radio, and I'm going to be sports anchor, WHO. 
and announce the Iowa Hawkeyes whipping up on the Ohio Buckeyes. Amen. That'd be a good deal. But not Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 because Wisconsin might beat us. So anyway, and I want you to know that that was not a dream. I mean, just a pipe dream. I want you to know I was the sports editor. I want you to know I took all the journalism. I took extra, extra English. I took composition. I think I thought I ought to know how to <clears throat> put a few things together in thought if you're going to do that. I took speech. If you're ever going to go on radio, you ought to know how to talk <laughs> and, uh, and all the rest of that. And then I gave my heart to the Lord toward the end of my junior year, and that's another whole story. I'll tell you that some other time. And I finally, finally asked God to forgive me and to come in, and I wanted to serve the Lord, and I started in the journey. And I, uh, I really was born again. I really was saved. I really was converted. And uh, I told my pastor what happened. For it actually did not happen at church, but, and I don't have time to get into that since I'm going to another one. And he said to me, he was so wise, he said, Jim, if you really mean business, you go out and buy a little black notebook, that kind that you can open the thing up and put papers in and out. And he said, I want you to now, uh, 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 now you'll forgive me for saying this, but he said, I want you to get off the back seat where you're just horsing around with those kids back there. Because we had a pile of young people. And we were not real religious. And we sat in the back of that church and horsed around. Do you know what I'm saying? I am not going to describe it any further. But we weren't paying much attention. And he said, you need to get off of those back seats and get up here toward the front and get into this thing. Get that notebook open. And he said, you take down what I preach. And he said, you write down the thoughts or the outline. And when I get done, he said, you come and tell me what I just preached. He was teaching me how to hear biblical truth and put it down in a logical manner because that's the way he was doing it. He was teaching me and I didn't even know I was learning. And I, I'll never forget ever the first Sunday after I was really born again, saved, when I walked down the aisle and sat second seat from the front all by myself, if I didn't feel like one more royal fool. And I've heard you and some others like you testify, boy, when God saved me, uh, he, he set me free from drugs. He set me free from alcohol. He set me free from all the bondages of sin. Well, I've got to tell you, when I got saved, the Lord said, give up the back seat. <laughs> not, I'm not preaching to you all backseaters back there because you, there are not that many on the front. I mean, there are not many uh, areas up here. But anyway, uh, th it was part of my obedience because of what we did on the back seats. I think you're with me, aren't you? And I started in. I want to quickly say, I want to quickly say that before it was all over, half of the youth group moved to the front. And we had kids all over the front of that church. About half stayed back and did what they did. And this is just a little parenthesis, but it is heavy on my heart. Every single teenager from our era that moved to the front of the church to my knowledge, they're still serving the Lord today. 
Several became district superintendents of the Church of the Nazarene. Some became spouses of such. One became a general superintendent. Others became a college administrator, or rather a college professor, and on and on and on. And to my knowledge, all of the kids that stayed in the back and refused to obey God, there's not one of them in the church today. I don't know one of them in the church. They're gone. I didn't know we were making such huge decisions as teenagers. Amen? So now we're in the front. And now I'm listening. And now I'm writing. And now it's a, a month. And now it's two months. Whatever the case. And now I'm growing in grace. And I'm learning how to pray. And I'm learning how to read the Bible. And I'm learning how to take notes from the pastor. And, and he's up preaching on a given Sunday. And I heard this whisper. I want you to be a preacher. That wasn't the preacher. That was the Lord whispering to me, I want you to be a preacher. I said, Lord, I'm not going to be any preacher. I'm going to be a sports writer. I'm going to be a sports announcer. I've already got this thing settled. I'm not going to be a preacher. And I'd shake that thing off. And I'd get out of there. I mean, you know, I'd wait till the amen was said, but then, and I'd be back. Not every service, but, but more than not, I'd be into it. I'd be writing notes. And I'd, I'd hear it. I want you to be a preacher. I said, Lord, I thought we had this settled. I'm not going to be a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. I want to be a Christian. And I'm going to heaven. But I'm not going to go to heaven like a preacher. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm going to heaven like a sports announcer. I don't even know what that means. But you know, in my, in my heart, I was, having a, I was having a wrestling match with God. And I'd shake it off. I'd be back. This went on for months. I don't mean forever. I mean four or five months. And, and we'd get a, we'd get, have an evangelist. We'd have a missionary. It didn't, I didn't make any difference who was preaching. And then it would start every time. I want you to be a preacher. And I finally said to the Lord, Lord, if you make me be a preacher, I know what you're going to do. You're going to put me in the last church before you fall off the edge of the state, and I'll die like a yellow dog under the front porch. <laughs> you say, where in the world did you get that? I heard an old-time evangelist at the Iowa camp meeting stand on the edge of the platform, and he shook. He said, if you're going all out for God, you got to die like a yellow dog under the front porch. <laughs> gives me a headache to shake my head like that. It is an old child. you got to die like a yellow dog under the front porch. I thought announcing for the Iowa Hawkeyes is better than dying like a dog under the porch. <laughs> to this day, I don't know what a yellow dog's got to do with this thing. I don't know what under the front porch has got to do with this thing. But that's all I could think of. And finally, it was a Wednesday night of camp meeting, in fact. And I got there late because I worked somewhere, summer, August. And I sat in the back because I got there halfway through the message. And the evangelist was preaching. I have no idea what. <clears throat> and here's what I heard. Here's what I heard from the Spirit of God. Make up your mind. Your way or my way. God can speak to us. That's what I heard. 
make up your mind, your way or my way. And I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. If that long-winded preacher will ever quit, I'm ready to pray. And he finally did and gave the invitation. I didn't wait for three verses. I was ready to go. Came down a long aisle, knelt over on this side. Now hear me now, you're listening well, but I died out to my dream of being a sports writer, being a sports announcer. And I wept and moaned because I was giving the thing up. And I said, if you want me to be a preacher, I'll be a preacher. I'm yours, Lord. And when I said that yes to God, I want you brothers and sisters to know the Holy Spirit came in his cleansing, purifying manner and way <laughs> and gave me peace that I had never known. For I wasn't fussing with God about anything. Amen, amen, amen. And now I need to wrap it up. I just need to tell you, <laughs> I've written and I've written and I've written and I've written and magazine articles, two or three, four chapters, I don't know how many, and different books that, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I've been on radio. God opened the door at the Oskaloosa, Iowa church to be on radio every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 9.30 news, 9.30 news, 9.35, 9.35, Church of the Nazarene, KBOE, live from the pastor's office for seven years, five days a week, live, seven years. One day I was running across the parking lot because of the time to hit the radio, and you can't have dead air on the radio. And I just looked at my watch, and I said, Lord, I wish the radio station would blow. Oh, up. This is worse than milking cows. <laughs> you could never be gone. And the Lord shot a thought through my mind. I thought this is what you want to do as a boy. I said, thank you, Jesus. Got that out of my system. <laughs> Got all the radio I want. And God opened the door, don't even believe it yet, but God opened the door to go on television at KTVO television. Uh, Oskaloosa doesn't have a TV station, but Ottumwa, Iowa does. It's the NBC affiliate, and the Lord opened that up. We would tape it every Tuesday night at the station, come on every Sunday morning at 8 to 8.30. And the first time, the very first time, we were taping the TV program, and the red light came on, and I was looking into that camera, telling those people how great it was to be a Christian. The Lord shot the thought through my head, this is what you always wanted to do as a boy and now you're doing it for Jesus and not for sports and I was too I was too focused to even think about the thought but on the way home the 30 miles back to Oskaloosa I got to re thinking about that and I said Lord why didn't you tell me back there when I was hanging over an altar that you had a plan <laughs> it wouldn't have been so hard to die and you know what the answer is? God never tells us the plan. He says, trust me. My plan's better than your plan. Just give me your life. Amen? And I just want you to know, <laughs> uh, my life has been much more blessed than if I'd be out there talking about some ball game tonight. I'd rather lead people to Jesus and see lives turned loose. 
well, hey, it's time to go. Man, I get all wound up preaching to you guys. I'd stay all night. But anyway, we can't do that. Is, oh, oh, why not? <laughs> That's a good, I like you. I like you. I like that. Uh, you know, in a service like this, you've given him your sins. Have you given him yourself? Has the Lord whispered to some of us tonight, you've given him most everything, but you're still kind of hanging back on that. Wouldn't this be the time to just come and say, everything, Lord. Everything, Lord. You're going to have everything, Lord. I don't think I'm preaching to rebellious people here, but it's interesting how the Lord says, Yes, you've given me and surrendered that, but uh, you're still kind of hanging on to this. Let's just, well, let's just stand, okay? Would you stand? And let's just pray, Lord, we want to be spirit-filled Christians, filled with power, filled with love, filled with self-control. But, Lord, to do that, selfish self has got to die. And we must be filled with God's Holy Spirit, and our little part of that is a, is a consecration, is a surrender, is, yes, Lord, you can even have that. You can have her, him, me, them, whatever. Lord, I just feel you want to set somebody free tonight with the deepest peace that God can give us everything committed to Christ. And while we're waiting for a moment or so, Jonathan might uh, start singing here in a moment, but we won't sing long. Uh, has the Lord whispered to you about anything tonight? Would you just come? You were so quick to obey the Lord last night. and Would you just come tonight? God bless you. God bless you. And and, and, and say, Lord, whatever, what, whatever you've been putting your finger on, I'm, I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to sell out. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. God bless you, precious ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord, to sell out. I'm ready, Lord, to give you everything. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anyone else? We won't, we won't wait long, but oh my God is all over the place here tonight. Would you say yes? Oh, God bless your souls. <laughs> Anyone else? I surrender everything. Everything. Amen. Can God have it all? Bless the Lord. I surrender. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. I surrender all. Uh, Dr. Matson and other faculty and uh, administrators, I just want you to know it's been a long time since I've seen such quick obedience. <laughs> and I think when people like these young adults are saying, I'm ready to go. I think it's time that we come and pray with them. 
would you just gather in? I'm not just talking about faculty to come or administrators, but you come too, if, if you will. And these brothers here and over here and young ladies here and over here and right here.